something about Mondays, though, isn't there? I mean, your job, your, your, your job is to like always be on point. You must be like Mondays. You might like, yeah, not today, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I've only got my trousers on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Pants. Um, <clears throat> pants. Pants. No, we can't say pants. pants. You know what pants mean for us, underwear. Yeah. Anyway, it's very upsetting. <clears throat> Hello, and welcome to Business Without Bullshit. I'm Andy Ori, and alongside me is my co-host, Pippa Sturt. Hi, Andy. And today we are delighted to be joined by Michael B. Hancock, the mayor of Denver. Hello, Michael. Glad to be here. Oh. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolute pleasure, Michael. So let's get let's get down to basics. Why are you in London right now? Well, we were here for two reasons. One, of course, to watch our beloved Denver Broncos take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, thankfully, we won. Wait. And, uh, and then secondly, we're here to continue working and tightening and 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 reassuring our friends here in London that we continue to be a good partner and want to be a good partner. That we we have very tight relationships here. Uh, you know, my brother is in Denver and in Colorado, so I couldn't feel more connected to the place if I tried. But there feels like this real connect between London and Denver. Is there sort of culturally or psychologically, do you feel? Or I think it's a little bit of both. I think we're just very close relationship. It's been formed over years. Uh, we're each other's uh, number one or number two long haul uh, markets that people oh, trade really? in. Your number, I think you're our number three trading partner in, in the world. Yeah. You know, we have daily flights seven days a week, 365 days a year, we direct flights between Denver and London. And uh, we just have a lot of commonalities. And uh, I met with Mayor Khan uh, yesterday. We sat and watched a little of the game and we talked about our commonalities. It's amazing how close uh, we are in terms of our challenges and opportunities. Did he know how American football works? Did Absolutely. He, he knew did. all about the game. He's in there telling oh, well. me all about it. He says, you know, we're talking about it. Uh, so, man, yeah, he was up on it. <laughs> we're very confused generally when we watch the games, aren't we? Because they, they take a long time. I, uh, they start I'm and stop. confused when I watch actual football. But you have like the most complicated sport, American football. And your election system is super complicated as well. You know, it's yeah. not all simple. Is it, is it, could you learn? American football quickly, you know, not, I think not so. now. Yeah, yeah. We have people from all over the world who come and they play American football and and they've never seen it before. What's this this oblong shaped thing? And we teach it to them. You know, we, it came from uh, rugby. Yeah. So it's it's a sport that just a little more organized than rugby. I imagine that's before he met you, Sadiq Khan had kind of a whiteboard and they were showing him all the different <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, he spent time in the U.S., uh, so he, he's he's familiar with it, you know. American football's been around for a while. But I was impressed. What keeps the mayor of Denver up at night then? Usually in Denver, snowstorms. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, when it starts snowing, you know, that's a big thing. You can lose your political job in Denver. What, by not handling the not snow? Not handling the snow well. You don't get it up up the roads. The snow happens every year, though. Happens every year. So in snow, you're just like, let it snow, but let us let us get off the road very so quickly. So you invest in a lot of snow plows, do we, you? We, we got a lot of, we got every snow equipment you can imagine. And if we have to get out and drive it ourselves, we will. Uh, but so yeah, it's, it's not like it's, over here where if it snows, like literally London stops for, yeah. for a week and a half. No. No, we keep rolling. I mean, I the way you say it can affect your political career. Sometimes, what you don't get, people don't get the snow plows out. Well, and that's they... history. Um, we know oh, some mayors have been, yeah, you've been have been removed from office or threats of recall uh, because they didn't get the snow off the off the streets. But I love this idea of recall elections. Actually, uh, we should have those over what, here. What's a recall election? They come back and vote you out, uh, no matter where you are in your term. <laughs> At any point, so it's not like. Not like you're made mayor and you're mayor for two years or four years and then, you know, there's another vote. At any point, somebody can put in a recall petition and if they get the right number of 
of signatures. She got it. I had this political, because I think everyone agrees that there's some huge problems with our political systems in the West because we're definitely not like doing that great against the competition. But one thing is about this length of term. And I always had this sort of like, the, you know, on the voice, they all had to hit the buzzer and the chair turn around or three X's. <laughs> it's like you get a 10 year term, but once 75% of the people say, this is rubbish. That's this kind is, of you're what out. a recall election is. Is that what a recall is? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, oh wow. Yeah. If you, you're in your third term now. I'm in you? my third term. Wow, that's amazing. Can and you have as many terms as no, you like? No, no, third is, is three is all you get okay. in, in Denver. And uh, so July of next year. So you've got to make the most of the last year then. That's You want to make the most of every minute you served. You know, this is the most phenomenal job in politics in the U.S. Uh, I don't know if you all know this, but mayors wield a lot of influence uh, in the nation, but certainly on a local level. We're closer to the people. We can't hide from them. we got to balance our budgets. we got to deliver. You don't get the snow off the street. If you can't traverse the roads, you don't have police. If you don't have fire, paramedics, parks. So you are in charge of all that infrastructure? All that infrastructure, every day. Uh, you know. always be, there's a mayor of every major city? There's there? a mayor of every major city, even, law, even small cities. Now, the power of the mayor or authority of the mayor varies depending on the size. But we have strong mayors or we have what we call council manager forms of government, where the mayor is kind of more symbolic, ceremonial. And then you have a day-to-day, someone who runs day-to-day, right? The strong mayor, which I am, I'm the chief executive officer of the city. Right. And so all of those functions roll up to, to my authority. We only know mayors from TV, right? Oh, yeah. So, like, in my head, when I hear the word mayor, I think of the Amityville mayor <laughs> in Jaws, yeah. who kept the beaches oh, open. Oh, come on, my favorite and film. And everybody gets... Uh, R- uh, Schroeder, uh, what's he called? He sadly oh, died. Schneider. Yeah, R- yeah. we're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're going to need a bigger snowplow. Is that is that what happens somewhere? That's here? right, you, you man. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get the snow off the ground. And that's, that's. I mean, just to finish on that, it's like you've got to keep the roads clear. That's what it's about. Get, keep yeah. business running. Keep business running. People moving about their daily lives, right? Right. And now snow will shut us down. And the key is to get us up and moving as quickly as possible. So you've got one year left, or generally speaking, what are you most excited about then for Denver? Oh, you know, I think it's stuff like this where we're making international connections. You know, I made a pledge when I became mayor that I wanted us to become a global city, that it was time for us to be on that global stage to compete because that's the world our kids are going to be competing as. You know, a young person can apply for a job in my office just as, from London just as they can from down the street from my city hall. Uh, we need our kids to know that this is a world out here that you've got to be prepared to compete in. And so connecting around the world, these are the things I'm most excited about. We've We've landed 15 direct flights around the world since I've been mayor. And to me, that at the end of the day, that's going to be the stuff that lasts, the stuff that really makes the impact for the future of our, of our city and such quite frankly, our state. Such a simple thing, but yeah. it's such an important thing. Like when people weigh up different cities, one thing London does quite well on, it's got like five airports. And if you live here, you can pretty much fly anywhere. And Denver, yeah, as you say, there's just those nine countries around the world who maybe wouldn't have gone through Denver. Right. Never. And you don't really get there, do you? You go to New York and then you jump Absolutely. to the other coasts and you forget this sort of amazing place. Bit in the middle. The bit in the middle. We're, yeah. We're, hey, listen, I tell folks, we're the center of the universe. If you don't believe me, get a globe, spin it and see where Denver sits. We're right in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> right in the middle. <laughs> what are you most worried about then for Denver? For Denver? Jeez. Uh, most worried about, you know, we're all in the midst in here in London as well as in the U.S. in the midst of a bit of a transition in terms of governance. I think um, you got a lot of young people stepping up. They, they tend to be one extreme or the other. I think it's the political extremes that really concern me the most mm-hmm. because they're, you know, we've already seen where it could really disrupt 
I think the way we all live, the way we all think, and and if we can't balance it, I think there has to be a balanced approach to try to and, and just about everything you can. So you got to be really careful. So if there's anything that worries me the most, it's tilting one way or the it's other. So to the weird, isn't it? I mean, I think we kind of know why we can live in a, we can live in a bubble now. Like none of us likes to be wrong, and so so we we can follow information online to the extent that we're always right about being wrong. You know, and and whereas before this, there was so much just more central media and so little of it. Yeah. And it, I mean, even advertising was centralist, you know. But I sort of also think that people have worked out that wedge issues can make them money and give them power. And if they wedge, can, wedge issues being in, issues if they that can just, get issues that upset a load of people or, right, you know, right. you end up with antagonism about things, say, like abortion yeah. or, you know, the climate change, all those things, you can get power out of that. I think you start you start to see people say things to just provoke the 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 response. I think our former you know president of the United States, you know, this dude became phenomenally popular because of his ability to say stuff yeah. that got everybody inflamed, he's, half inflamed, half he's going. honest. He may have been honest. Yeah. He was a moron being honest. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was kind of like you know. I don't know if he's even being honest. I think he just he understood. It's so you know your name's in the paper. They're talking about you. There's where the value is, right? He was like right? a rock star, he wasn't he? He was that. like, oh, I play this song. Yeah. And people go bananas. Yeah. And I mean, do you find, because, you know, we have a name for it, which is almost as much a problem as the thing itself. But, you know, do you find as a mayor with like the wokeism feeling that you feel very, like, how long have you been in term now? Is uh, almost 12 years. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, 12 yeah. Years. 12, <laughs> young, yeah, long yeah. Do you feel in that 12-year period, do you remember 12 years ago, you could be a bit more honest or be a bit more open than you are now? Do you well, think Well, you know, I try to be frank anyway, because one, I don't want to ever chapter chase my comments. Uh, what did I say? What I say? But I learned a long time in politics. Chapter chase means sort of check, go back all the time. Yeah. yeah. So this is my 20th year in politics. And what I learned early on as a legislator, city member of city council, was people will respect your answer if it's honest, whether they agree with it or not, mm. but be honest. If the answer is no, explain why it's no, and then move on. They may not agree, but they respect the fact that you were candid. And it's when you start throwing out the BS is when they get you. There's a bit in West Wing where Bartlett says, tell the truth, because if nothing else, it's the easiest thing to it's remember. It's the easiest thing to remember, right? Yeah. What I, I think that's very sound. And also when you're saying, when you tell the truth, people can criticize it and you will respond naturally. Yeah. You know, yeah. even if you don't, you know, maybe you're going through something very personal and people are like, well, why is that? It's like, you know what? It's none of your business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's like, and it's just, the answer is yes, here's why. No, or here's why. And at the end of the day, it's like, we have to accept it and move on. We're sitting here doing a podcast because my podcast, as far as I can find out, are like the only true form of communication left. And they are having some gluing and healing effect in society. I mean, there's too many podcasts out there, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I think they're... they're do us down. I'm not doing us oh, down. Oh, there's a terrible special. podcast out there. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. But no, I mean, in sense of, you know, it is one of the few places people can talk and given the chance to explain themselves, you know, and I, but I, to, to to the point, I just think, what else is there? You know, yeah. I mean, the media, the the, the, the newspapers seem to be a mess. The, the, the media is a mess. You know, I, I get the FT on the hope that it's without fear and without favor, but it's like, yeah, so okay. well, everything's so sh you know, everything's so short. Like some people try to explain things on Twitter, and they'll have a kind of fifty-three tweets 
thread that you have to read the whole of in yeah. order to get the information. Nobody reads those. Yeah. Everybody's reading 192 characters or whatever it is now. That's the scary so. part too. And I think that's part of the extremism, the bucket of extremism we're getting to. Unfortunately, we grew up and I minored in broadcast journalism. On the first day of class, they talk about corroboration, being able to corroborate your stories, right? Every story must have three corroborators. Here's, you know, the fact. Here are the facts. And today, that's not the case. The rush to be first has damaged the credibility of the media. Which was the whole point, take your time. Right. And, you know. So the, the, the streamline, mainstream media, excuse me, trying to compete with social media, which is just absurd. And, you know, so the, 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 uh, the saying that I heard was, if you don't read a newspaper, you're uninformed. If you read the newspaper, you're misinformed. Wow. And so if you think about that today, who do we call, who do you have to depend on? TikTok. For facts. <laughs> no, seriously, that's where most kids get their information. Reliability, you know, like, absolutely. You're absolutely right. My son, who's, you know, 27 today, but when he was a teenager, he came upstairs, my favorite pastime on Sunday morning, sit there at the kitchen table, read a newspaper wow. with my dog, right? Got him into coffee, dog's on the floor, reading a paper while I want to sleep. He comes up. He sees me, he looks at me, he just stands there, he goes, you're so old-fashioned, Dad. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? He said, reading the newspaper. I said, how you get your information? You want to read something? He goes, no. He says, if there's news out there and he wants me to know it, it comes to me. I oh don't my go God. to it. Yeah. That's when you know you've got a problem. That's we, we have a problem. We definitely have a problem. <laughs> there's wow. an interesting podcast that the BBC do over here called Americast. And one of the things they've done is they've got a woman who's created like three or four Twitter profiles of like quite right-wing, Republican, Democrat, etc., and seeing what information and news they're getting on Twitter. And it's amazing how they kind of, they get fed the different sides of a story. So like you're in your echo chamber and you're just being told well, Brexit, all this terrible stuff. You know, Trump, I mean, you you, you do wonder. It's my fear of TikTok is, is just the nudging of conversations by uh, something yeah. owned by, anyway. Absolutely. When they all look back in their dusty history books or whatever, where well, we won't have any of them, what would you like your legacy to be as mayor? Wow, I, I hope it's a, a legacy that uh, demonstrates what it means to not forget who you're there to represent and and stay focused. It has been the one thing that's got us through some of these challenging times. We came in uh, in the midst of a recession, we built it back up, and then we come, were confronted with a pandemic. Uh, the chief of staff uh, likes to say there was nothing in our debates or preparation that ever mentioned the word pandemic. Mm. No, you know we you all had to go and watch a film that that that, that was on Netflix. Yeah. That was it. No, you can't prepare for the stuff. You don't expect it. But what got us through it was saying we're here to save the city. It's about every one of us. Shed your title. Do what's necessary to get the city through this right now. And. We, we didn't get into politics. And that was the thing I kept saying my team is not about politics. It's about the facts. What does science tell us? What does the oh data tell us? Oh my God, we could have done with you over here. <laughs> <laughs> now we know what he's doing next. You've got to run for mayor of London. Uh, you know? I mean, but that was it. And I'll tell you, staying above the fray of politics made me, helped me to sleep at night and really gave me peace knowing that the team was focused and we were going to do the right thing every chance we got, at least try to do the right thing every chance we got. My God, you've had quite a roller coaster in 12 years, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, it's been have, amazing. You must be like, so I'll be out in a few. What, <laughs> what do you mean it's a pandemic? <laughs> exactly. I mean, on big questions, where, where is Denver on climate change? I mean, we've got to ask this question. I mean, Denver, I imagine, is doing okay, is it? You know what? We Listen, we stayed uh, committed to the Paris Accord. We created a new office, uh, Climate Action, Sustainability and Resiliency. 
And we have an entire plan going for. We also propose, and the people of Denver passed overwhelmingly, a sales tax that allows us to support our climate action efforts. Uh, so we're raising about 40, 40 to $45 million a year to put in place mechanisms and efforts to help deal with our reverse climate change. Is Denver so... You always find it ironic about places. You think of someone desperately beautiful and everything. You yeah. Think, oh, I mean, is Denver very reliant on, you know, fossil fuels or it's, it's quite renewable well, already? Or? Well, we're working to become more re- renewable, well, yeah, of course. Yeah. Obviously, we want to be completely renewable by 2030 okay. in Denver. Um, and we, we hope to uh, become particularly renewable energy by 2030 in the city of Denver. Um, and so we're doing everything we can to do to move in that direction. We're very bold. We're pushing the envelope. Oh, is it um, from dams? A lot of power? No, or? we can pull power from sun. We get three hundred oh, days okay. of sunshine a year. Wind, t- uh, wind turbines. Okay. okay, that's a good reason to move to Denver. Yeah. Three hundred days of sunshine. Because the Colorado is the Colorado flag a sun? Is it? No, I'm getting that wrong. No, no, that, it has the sun in it. Yeah, in, yeah. yeah inside the D. Okay. But we also have it in the state flag. Yeah. Um, but we're very proud. I mean, the reality, we have a lot of natural resources in Denver and Colorado. And we're trying to leverage them, obviously. I mean, just last week, I helped to lay the last panel of a solar panel uh, on a city building. We plan to do that throughout. We're trying to electrify as quickly as we possibly can. We're committed to renewable energy sources um, and hoping to uh, 100% electrify our fleet going forward. And we got to move it with a sense of urgency because we like to say every hour, every minute, Every second we wait, we delay, we are hurting the future of our children. We're threatening the future of our children. Do you worry about who might come into your office after you, that they will carry on? Of course. On? Yeah, I think that's a natural concern, right? Uh, I'll be gone in, what, a matter of nine months. But uh, yeah, you worry about that a little bit because we, I think we've done a lot of good things and it could be reversed very quickly. Hopefully not. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Clark got its start back in 1935 And while the world has changed a bit It's more than just survived From complying with the FCA And all things financy They can also speak fluently In the language of legalese Ori Clark was born and raised Right here in the UK And now for 20 years They've been helping others Get set up and on their way Ori Clark's door's always open and happy to provide straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935. Big shout out to Sean Veer Singh for a stellar jingle. You can find him at Sean Veer Singh Music on Instagram. And at this point, let me quickly remind you to give us a nice review, please, on Apple Podcast or follow us on Spotify so you'll never miss an episode. Now back to the chat. Okay, very well done. Part one completed. All right, all right, yeah, all right. done very well. So now we're going to do our favourite part of the show, quick far round questions. D, cue the music. Thank you very much. We're just going to ask you a list of questions, short answers, um, just about yourself and things. Are we ready? You ready? Yes, bro. Let's go. What was your first job? Mascot of the Denver Broncos. You what, what was it? <laughs> it was a horse stood on his hind legs. Yeah. What was your worst job? Telemarketer as a teenager. Oh, Horrible man. job. Jesus. Cold calls. Yeah. Horrible. Oh my god. Yeah. Favorite subject at school? Social studies, history. Ah, good. Yeah, Is that like you don't just call it history? It's got social studies before. Social it. studies, which included our history and okay. government, all nice. that stuff. Nice. What did you want to be when you grew up? 
I wanted, initially wanted to be a police officer. Did you? Yeah, and then about the age of 13, I decided I wanted to be mayor of Denver. You got any family in the Sorry, force? Sorry, 13? Nobody. You nobody. decided yeah. to be mayor. I did. About the age of 13, I met then mayor. was a, our first Hispanic mayor ever elected. And I just was in awe of this guy. And I said, I, said, I want to do that one day. That's amazing. Were you the first African-American in America? Second. Second. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And then what, how long ago was the first one? Was it recent or not? He was elected in 91. The first, well, the first Hispanic mayor was elected in 83. And I was, ele- and then this, the first African-American mayor followed him. He was elected in 91. And so he served three terms, the African-American mayor. Yeah. Wellington Webb. Wow. Okay. And then if you looked across America, like African-American mayors rare these days? No, not at all. In fact, African-American mayors uh, in the 1960s, the first African-American mayor was elected. Okay. Mayor of Cleveland. Okay. Uh, His name escapes me right now, but uh, yeah, it's it's more common these days. Yeah, yeah. Um, You can tick off a lot of major cities and there's probably been an African-American mayor. Okay. What did your parents want you to be when you grew up? Just alive. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I just, you know, I I, I tell you, my, we, it was a tough upbringing. So parents just wanted to be live, be successful. There was nothing. Success meant surviving and taking care of yourself. You were one one of eight or one of ten. One of the youngest of ten. The youngest of ten. I'm the youngest of four. That's oh man, no man, yeah. You had a quiet home compared to us. Yeah, wow. And the youngest of ten. I found that I was brought up by sort of my sisters and stuff. You kind of more brought up almost by your siblings than your parents. Absolutely. Same yeah. here. Yeah. You know, my I have a twin sister. My get this, our parents had three sets of twins. Man. So they were I'm, efficient. I'm a twin. How are you? Boom. Boom. So best thing to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there my you go. God. And when did the twins twins come? You you know, like so the last pair of twins were they? So it's interesting. They had twin, two singles, twin, two singles, twins. Your poor mother. That's wow. just my brother in law's one of six, and when he was growing up, they didn't have like assigned beds. Mm-hmm. So they would all, I think it was a cunning ruse by his parents to get them to go to bed early. Because the earlier, if you were the first one to bed, oh, you'd get the genius. best bed. Get the best bed. You get and the bed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, what was the last one? A spike or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, actually, once a family gets above four, the, the amount of parenting starts to decrease because everyone just helps each other out. Well, they're you know? wiped out, you know. You know, you know how it is. <laughs> yeah, but also, that many twi- sets of twins, your poor mother must have just been. She's, a, she's still alive today. She's 83 and just a what's, strong. What's her name? Charlene. Big up, Charlene. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Um, what's your go-to karaoke song? Oh man, Brick House by the Commodores. Oh wow. Okay. Unusual. Sound familiar? You know that? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Sing a few bars. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, after you. <laughs> um Office Dogs. Yes. Business or bullshit? Uh business. Very good. I you I heard you had a dog earlier. What sort of dog do you have? Uh, I have a mini golden doodle. She's been with me now for just uh, about a month and a half, two months. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. Have you ever been fired? Is that even a word in America? Sacked? No? No. Yeah, fired is a word. Terminated. Terminated. No. Never been. Damn, we get there. What's your favorite thing about Denver? Uh, The active lifestyle. I think that's it. You can, 365 days a year, you can be out and active. Um, It snows. But it doesn't shut us down typically, and um, you can be moving about in sweaters, ready to go. What's your favorite thing about London? I think active lifestyle. Uh, really? We have been around London, and first of all, you have a gazillion um, features and monuments and castles and you know amenities <laughs> to see. I think that's one of, and great restaurants. Um, but I, I, but I love being out like last night, just watching how active the city was. Yeah, it's so impressive. 
Is there something that that you come across all the time that you actually think people don't give enough credit to or people give too much credit to because actually it's bullshit? Oh, wow. Wow, 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 wow. Well, I, I think that obviously it just goes back to the media. I think most of the stuff you read in the paper, uh, most often and not is bullshit. Um, the truth is somewhere in there, but it's you're starting to see more commentary from, yeah, you would from know, journalists. You would know the truth more. I, yeah. I, I've heard people say this before that people are, you know, celebrities or something, they're like, well, how often is what's written about you correct? Right. Oh, it's always completely incorrect. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay, so from that basis as the only thing right. you can qualify. Now, you're mayor of, you know, Denver. You must be sitting there and, you know, you must have a bit more information than everyone else. Exactly. About yeah. what's going on. So it's inside baseball. And most people, you realize, once you learn, go, most people are not on the inside. They don't see it every day. They don't know the true story. But, you know, it, it's and, and I'm a fan of the media. I will protect the media. I, I believe in the free media. I think our nations are as great as they are because of free media and the ability to express ourselves freely, right? Uh, but as we talked about earlier, it's gotten to a point where the, the rush to be first, the rush to beat social media has clouded the, the judgment. You know, it's that whole thing about what is it a lie can go all the way around the world while the truth is putting its trousers on or whatever it is. It's that, you know, people realize that you can just freaking lie, right? Right. And even the most outrageous lie, if it's printed in the newspaper or it's on on Twitter or wherever, somebody somewhere is going to believe it. Right. Exactly. You say it enough times and it becomes the truth. And America has seen, you know, based on the, our last election, the truth of what you just said yeah. uh, is that you say it enough, people will start believing it. I, they, they do. I mean, I always thought, well, when you see stuff written down for anyone sort of born out, born pre, and I hate to say probably all of us, pre this sort of big revolution of 2000 was that, you know, to print something and put it in a newspaper or magazine quite required quite a lot of money, so I tended to trust that information more. What I found so surprising is that online, yeah, as you say, I could write some crap and put it on a website, and then you show it to someone else, and they're like, oh, wow. And even today, in 2022, we're still like, yeah, yeah, but it's true information. I and saw also, it in black people and white. just yes. bloody love a conspiracy theory. Absolutely. Like, we all want to think that there is more to, things don't happen at random, right? And right. More Although to September it. 11th really is a bit weird. Though. Well, <laughs> listen, when we went up, when we grew up, our teachers, no matter what grade you're in, first grade, kindergarten through, they would say, "Do your homework. Do your homework. Find the facts for yourself. Do your homework." And that just doesn't exist anymore. To, to the point, my son made: if I want to know, know something, it comes to me. I don't go to it. And then once it comes to me. We don't question it very often. We don't, you know, and it's got like, you got to stop that. Come on, man. You got to ask, can this real be, really be possible? Will you read comments about yourself? Do you, do you Absolutely. like on a bad day, go and look what people are saying? No, I don't go on social media. I think social media has become such a, a, a sad place. I think a dangerous place to read about yourself. Yeah. So I, I do not do social media in that essence. If I'm doing anything, I hate to say this, but I might go to TikTok just to laugh. Not to look at political discourse, but just to see people doing silly stuff on TikTok. Um, that to me, you know, it's unfortunate you cannot go read about yourself because people get very personal. And I have to counsel my children not to do it as well. But we can't just grow up with a click of the fingers, do we? I mean, I still remember for me, it was sort of during COVID that I was finally like, oh, I really need like the FT delivered at home. And then I need like the economist, like I need sort of, you know, yeah, yeah. and and my and 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 trying to say, look, we should make sure younger staff can get 
a newspaper at home like we used to and everyone was kind of like, really, are they interested and stuff? But maybe maybe they were right, to be honest. It's like you grow up one day, you know, you can't, you grow up in lots of different days and lots of different ways, but sort of getting to a point when you're like, okay, I need some form of information that's like slightly less shit. And yeah. I, but also I need it. But like your son said, you don't really need it when you're young. But where you're do you, like, you know, where do you get, okay, this is a, not the world's best newspaper, but there's a newspaper in the UK called the Daily Mail. Mm-hmm. Lots of people call it the Daily Fail, for <laughs> okay. obvious reasons. But you know, they it's a published... very historical newspaper yes, invented by someone but... who worked out in 1900. People just want to read tittle tattle. Yeah, know. but you know, they printed a newspaper article yesterday about the sewage being released into the sea, which is happening all over Britain, and they were looking clearly looking for a voice for sewage being sure. released into the sea as well as a voice against because you've got to, yeah. got to keep crazy balance. And in their article, they posted this tweet from this... I mean, everybody knew it was a parodic account. It's just a parody account of some guy pretending to be an ex-Tory MP going, oh, isn't it lovely that sewage is in the sea? It's all a good thing, really. Mm-hmm. And they posted it. They put it in the newspaper and they didn't realise it was a fake account. They didn't. They didn't do any research to find out whether this person was real. They just repeated the tweet sure. with no research at all. And that is a daily newspaper, one of our kind of say, main We're not going to get out of this shit until, like, things get even worse. Like, it, it, you know, what's what's it causing soundbite politics? That. It's causing that, you know, in the West, we struggle to appoint leaders with a long-term plan, you know? And it's like, well, that's not going to fix. So how's it going to fix? It's like, well, we better, we'll start getting our ass kicked. Like maybe we already are on a level that we're kind of, and then we may have to change as a society. It's like, you know, because I'm sitting here hoping someone's going to throw up a, a solution, but there's none really, it's getting worse still as we stand. Yeah, I think as a public response. So I think two things. When we start trusting the individuals more so than the the institution or the, the yeah. venue that they use to come to us, right? So I can watch television or I can read something and it, it depends on who the author of that story is. It tells me more about the veracity of that, that story. And then secondly, accountability is a big thing. I think that what you're seeing happening to Kanye is a very important thing because you just can't say stuff, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And to be provocative and, and you, you know, start holding people accountable and including the institutions themselves. Um, so this is it. This is the end. Uh, give us the 30-second, why, why should a business come to Denver? What's well, I tell you why. We are so excited to be here to promote Denver. You know, it's, it's, it's a city where you will find the second most educated community uh, in the nation really? and, and really one of the fastest growing communities of, of the nation, the United States of America, growing prim- and by, primarily by the young workforce, very talented workforce that's coming in uh, because they find in Denver great quality of life. They find a very active lifestyle. They find 300 days of sunshine a year. They find a very, uh, very open thinking community, a community that is welcoming and inclusive of all people. Uh, who want to come in and work hard. It's a great place to raise your children. It's always been called, considered one of the best places to start a family, to raise a family, and one of the best places to live in the country. Always one of the most, top 10 most livable places in the United States of America. And and the last thing is the diversity of the opportunities that are there. Uh, All sectors are growing and rising, whether it's the clean sector, it's the tech sector, the fintech uh, sector, the uh, uh, medical our biotechnology community, uh, they're all growing and continuing to cluster in and around Denver, Colorado. And so, 
if you are if you're looking for new adventures, new opportunities, a great place to live. And then finally, I'll say, and it's not just the young people. We find that typically their parents or grandparents move to Denver as well because of the walkability of our city, because we're everybody's within a ten minute walk of a park, because we have the number two. Uh, performance arts, arts complex in the world in Denver. So you can get opera, symphony, you can get ballet, or theatrical I'm plays. I'm sold. Let's You're go there. to Denver. So you can get it all in Denver, Colorado with a long, one of the best foodie uh, environments you can find. So we invite you to Denver. I think you'll find a great place to live, work, and play. Sounds amazing. Um, so there you have it. That was this week's episode of Business Without Bullshit. Thank you very much, Michael B. Hancock. Thank you, Pippa. Uh, we'll be back with BWB Extra on Thursday. In the meantime, thank you very much. It's ciao.